Welcome sir. to San Diego Magazine's Happy Half Hour. God, I smell good. You do. You always smell good, Troy. And I was that's not started. true. That's not. That's, it's tr- not true. <laughs> completely, completely incorrect. I was going to make like nice beginning comments about how festive you looked in your nice sweater, and I had my little winter jacket on, and you and you ruined it. You took it all off, and now you're wearing a Malibu shirt. I'm like, only in this office would you go from winter to Malibu. <laughs> when you go anywhere, you drive anywhere. When you've got an 11 year old daughter at home, you have to bring home something, right? If you if you if you, it, it doesn't matter. It could be a pet rock, you know what I mean? It just you have to bring something. You know, you're like free peanuts. Here's the peanuts from the plane i got these for you specifically um and we went up to malibu so i had to get that gets my daughter she loves oversized stuff so it happens to fit me and you know i don't know it was it was laundry day but why i smell good is because i think i think i have is it african basil, african basil? basil or blue basil yeah i have african basil that's sitting right underneath my nose because this is a bag from the plot this is our guest today i'm looking at jessica and david from the plot from rinch and rodent um uh, oceanside's regenerative food scene like um, sustainability and just good ethical approaches to the future of food as you know it's our um our december is our environment issue and we you know it's funny um it's a little bit ironic putting out an environment issue on dead trees and uh with oil-based ink okay we realize that we are imperfect, all right? San Diego Magazine is not a perfect product, but when um, Claire and I took over, we sat down and we were like, look, what are the things that you want to talk about? What, are we, what do we want to talk about? What do we want to champion? What, what do you want to explore? And obviously the sustainability of not handing down um, a burning fireball of dust you know, to future generations was you know, one of the things we wanted to start having a conversation about. So that's what this entire December issue, if you guys haven't gotten it at home, you can find it at um, Barnes & Noble, you can find it at, at Sprouts. It's all about people doing like stewardship of the environment in San Diego and cool shit that just makes it so that we're going to be able to hand this place down, right? So that's the entire issue. That's why the plot, Jessica and David, welcome to our offices in San Diego. Thank you. Thank you. We're stoked to be here. So they brought, anyway, so they brought me some African basil from like basically grows in the backyard of the plot. Yes, exactly. All over the place. Uh, This is, and we're going to get deep into this story. You're going to hear from them in a little bit, but um, the plot is featured in this new issue in December. They have, they're growing food on their own. They have um, vessels that they do for um, some to-go stuff where basically it's made out of steel. Stainless steel Stainless and steel. silicone top. Yeah. And, and a silicone st- silicone top, which you can b- then bring back in instead of just doing a ton of um, uh, of to-go stuff. You guys t- still have compostable to code. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We okay. use World Centric. They're backyard compostable for the most part. Okay, got it. Yeah. So they're doing a lot of really amazing shit that could be like the future of running a restaurant in San Diego because it's not the most um, you know environmentally friendly operation just like a magazine is. And you take one little effort at a time and you try to build a future, right? Amen. Totally. <laughs> right? I mean, here, no, none of us are perfect. We're just talking about ways that we can get better. So anyways, that's what this issue is about. Um, I love it. Yeah, you want me to shut up and you want to keep No, going? it's like, and then aren't we donating like a percentage of something to something peaceful? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Or a percentage of something to the environment. All right, so I will tell you what, what we did for San Diego Magazine because we, we stood around we're like this is kind of disingenuous if you're talking about a you know the environment and you're you know using trucks to deliver magazines printed on dead trees with oil based ink we have to do something ourselves so what my what Claire and the entire company did is we joined Relief so every piece of paper that we print is replanted as a tree not a perfect solution but a solution and so we worked, worked with our printer to do that so we replace everything that we use in terms of paper and we also dedicated ourselves 
1% to of our company's time to doing good works in San Diego. So we're trying to get back. Um, that's the first couple of steps that we made as a company. You know, that's again, so like awesome. a handshake. Yeah. You know, I mean, at first, like, okay, get up off the couch, you know, and start making some progress. So that's what we're doing at San Diego Mag. Definitely. Um, yeah. I love it. It makes me happy. It makes me even happier to work here than I already was. I know. Just, yeah. you know, you know nobody's, a, nobody's a damn saint. I'm sure I'm not, <laughs> but, you know, at least you can give it a shot, you know? Anyway. Definitely. Well, so let's jump into Hot Plates. And do we want to start with the biggest news that basically broke San Diego's internet over yeah, the last couple yeah. of days? Let's or start we, with that. Let's start with it. Addison, three stars, Michelin, pretty amazing. Holy crap. I mean, okay, so... Dave and Jess, you know what it's like to work in a restaurant, you know? Um, I mean, granted, uh, William Bradley at Addison and Stephanie De Palma and every single person that works there as much as, and William Bradley will tell you himself, I mean, Stephanie is in there working every single day running that kitchen. You know, William has been in there running the kitchen forever. You know, now he's taken more on like a guidance role working with her, you know, from the top down. But there's 50, 60, 70 people behind that operation. Three-star Michelin restaurants it are a rarity, right? And whether or not you believe in the power or the the validity of Michelin. Some people are like, oh, come on. It's just this kind of like, you know, silly competition for rarefied dining. I'm like, yes, but I will say this, like they, they hold people to a standard of like, you have to have 15, 20 different points when people walk in the door to make sure their experience is great. You know, it's just a way of measuring like greatness in hospitality. And they worked so damn hard to get the three star. There are 14 um, three-star Michelin restaurants in the country. There are only seven, I think six, six or seven in California, all of which are up in the Bay Area, zero in LA, and now one in San Diego. That's so wild. I didn't yeah. know that there weren't any in LA. That's None in that's LA. That's wild. Isn't that wild? Yeah, and it's so awesome for San Diego. I just, it feels so good because I feel like we've come so far as a food destination, dining, and of course integrating the local and sustainable and all the things that San Diego has to offer too, the small farms and the fish, but it's just so good to see that recognition come here. I know. And I, I'm so proud of their team. That's so awesome. Because you guys have been here for uh, forever. How long? Wait, you were born and raised in Oceanside? Yeah. <laughs> You were. I mean, you're, you are you are the OG. And what generation are you for, for, uh, for San Diego? Is it? Did your parents move here from somewhere else, or? Uh, yeah, mom and dad moved here from England. And That's right. Had me. Okay, um, got it. So you're you're born and raised. I am born and raised as well. So I mean, and you, you have long you've been here, Jessica? Twenty years from Seattle. Okay, twenty yeah. years. So you've seen. I mean, well, and obviously you guys have been in the food scene since. Yeah. You know, and you know what it's been like. I mean, you know, everybody saw us as like the granny flat of L.A. You know, it was like it's like they have food down there that doesn't come in souvenir cups. Oh my God! You know, like it was really just like oh, that's the Tommy Bahama place, right? Where they got all the you know, like just like I don't know. You got some really like seafood tower overlooking something else, you know, like, I, I don't know, seared ahi and a little bit of ponzu. That was all we wonton had. Wonton crisps. <laughs> yeah, wonton crisps. We had, crisps. We had <laughs> wonton crisps. Yes, we did. So we're always been seen as like that, you know, as not on the same level. And I, and look, to be, let's be totally honest here. I mean, I, I would say up until last like half decade, de decade maybe, but mostly like I would say since like 2017 to 2019 is when restaurants like you and restaurants like, you know, a lot of, other, a lot of every neighborhood started to get a you, a, a really good chef, a really good operator who was doing some good stuff on the ground. That was one of the first times that I was like, okay, we're here. Like we are, we are no longer a second class, third class, you know, food world. We were for a long time. All those stereotypes were right. I grew up here and it was like, 
Chili's, Applebee's, or the Boathouse. You know, like that was it. I mean, it's all you had. It was like we ate at McDonald's, we ate at Arby's because there was nothing. You know, but really, San Diego's food scene has arrived. I think that kind of puts us on a map. But now, again, whether or not Michelin, I mean, how do you guys feel about Michelin? It's not ever been something we've aspired for. I yeah. think, you know, right. I don't think that making Accolade a North Star is necessarily the kind of culture we've wanted. Yep. But I think it's awesome. I think consistency of service is something we should all strive for. Mm-hmm. Consistency of food is hard. And a team that's doing it every day like that, that is so admirable. So I just say congratulations. I think it's badass. It's grueling. I mean, you just, you're put together, you're, you're, you're faced with... You know, 300 touch points in food, in service, in drink, in hospitality, yeah. in design, and everything, and you have to nail them. And perfect, refine, 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 refine. Ref- like, you know, it's a, it's a different skill set on top of the skill set that we all need to be restaurant people. Yeah, and I, I have the utmost respect for it. Like when we're in Europe, we flip the Michelin Guide open. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's kind of the reigning uh, authority on. It is. You know? It is. I mean, it's a tire company. It's a yeah. tire company. And the way that this Michelin started was they're like, hey, everybody's driving our tires and they're going to different restaurants. Maybe we should start doing a, doing a guide. And it evolved from there. And they really became serious about it. And it flagged for a couple of years. And I think that, and obviously, I don't think they knew San Diego existed um, up until like three years ago. I mean, Addison itself has been worthy of a two-star Michelin um, uh, for pro- at least a decade. Wow. You know? And I don't, think that, I don't think Michelin had the resources. They weren't here in the market. Right? But they did. They came here in 2019 because... Because as we saw right before the pandemic started, like like all of the national news media was sending food people here. They were sending yeah. their journalists here. I mean, we were starting to get, you know, Vogue wrote about us for the first time. We started to get New York Times was sending reviewers. LA Times was sending reviewers down to San Diego, you know, because the food scene was genuinely arriving and starting to like be, we were starting to use our local seafood. We're starting to use our local farms. We're starting to use like Mexican influence from Mexico mm-hmm. was fantastic. Yeah. is fantastic. Oh, definitely. I mean, come on. It's just, so it really got really exciting in 2019 and then the world broke, right? And something like this brings it back because I think that even if you, I mean, look, I don't want to eat at a three-star Michelin restaurant. I can't afford to eat at a three-star Michelin restaurant every single day, you know? But I will say this, Addison is one of the best uh, uh, dinners I've ever had in my entire life. You know, I ate there two years ago and it was a um, collaboration dinner between him and Josiah Citron. It was a two-star Michelin restaurant at Melise up in LA. And it was, every single bite was just crazy what they had done with the food. I mean, and, and it all cooked like 98 degrees, the perfect temperature of your mouth. So nothing's too hot, nothing's too cold. It just kind of melts in the same temperature as your mouth. It's like, it's nuts, right? It is that, <laughs> so I don't necessarily want to eat in any of those. I think all those restaurant chefs, all those chefs would say, I don't want to eat here every single day either. It, it's for that kind of like, wow, you want to get to like, you know, it's it's like somebody who studied for like fifty years in a classically trained, you know, um, vi- a violinist or a mm-hmm. pianist, you know, who's become a technician, you know, and you go and see what they can pull off, you know, like yeah. with a piano, you know, like you want to go see that kind of music. I love punk rock too, yeah. you know. I love people just playing a kazoo, you know. But this is more like watching first chair. And the and the big thing about this is, and then I'll shut the hell up because I've really gone on for like fifteen no, minutes. So interesting. I, but, but the biggest thing is, is that when now. All of the people from like Rob Report, from New York Times, Washington Post, international uh, media, you know, um, organizations, CNN, they're going to come out here to eat at Addison, and where are they going to end up the next day? You know, they're going to end up, and not to say that you guys are second, you know, but I mean that makes it an international attraction, and then they'll end up at Rinchin Road, they'll end up at the plot, they'll end up at. 
you know, wherever in, in San Diego, they're going to go to Convoy and they're going to discover some of our Jalambao. They're going to, so it really elevates that entire scene. Oh, it's a win for all of us, hands right? down. Yeah, so it's huge. So it's a big news. Definitely. Do you think there are any places, like we didn't get any new Michelin star places this year. Do you think there are any ones that we missed out that you think deserved it possibly? I know that there is that whole thing where you can basically kind of like call them and be like, what do I need to do to get a Michelin star? And so I don't know if all those restaurants would have done such a thing. But like Wormwood was one that I thought really could have deserved a star. Well, Cali. Cali for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. That was I was curious about that too because I've heard nothing. We still haven't made it to Cali, but all we hear is just phenomenal. I mean, you guys, you guys are running a couple of days. <laughs> <restaurants and, laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, getting <laughs> Chef Travis home to San Diego, another huge win for us. You know, uh, yeah, totally. Um, I mean, I'm not going to say should have gotten, but like places to watch when the next round definitely Valle and Matsu up in Oceanside. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. If it's not this year, then like I mean, that's they keep on the trajectory that they're on. It's mm-hmm. just a matter of time for, yeah. for both of them. We have Chef Roberto in Oceanside. And Roberto Alcocer is one of the, you know, he, one of Valle's best chefs, you he's know. He's badass. And he's the coolest person, you yeah. know. Like, it's like, cool. Now, not only do we get that food, but I got another friend right up the street, you know. Like, exactly. Super awesome human. I just remember the first time I met him, within like two minutes, we bonded over chayote squash. Like, we both have this like <laughs> severe, like extreme love chayote for chayote. Chayote brings people together Yeah, I know. And it was day. like the yeah. funnest conversation for me. I was like, plus scenes, I love this. So, <laughs> Yeah, it's it's great to have that. I mean, so many great chefs in Oceanside. I know. I mean, and, and Chef William, who you said. Mm-hmm. I, and speaking of, and I do want to mention this really quickly. Okay, so um, this is from the plot that we're looking at. This is like three mini little feasts that you brought yeah. us snacks, right? <laughs> yeah. And this is Chef William's bread. So Chef William, of which David just mentioned, uh, he owns uh, Matsu, which is a Japanese. Um, he's not just doing tasting room, uh, not t- tasting menus anymore, right? You can actually order off menu as well. Or am I making that up? I'm not sure. I should definitely check with, with him on that. Like, I don't... I mean, my favorite thing to do is to sneak up to the bar and get a few appetizers. Mm-hmm. And I think I, I think he, you know, on the, on the right slow night, he'll definitely, definitely do that. But I, I don't want to speak for him. Got you know? it, got it. All right, well, go in there uh, with David and, and, you know, <laughs> and obviously you can order whatever the hell you want. But this is his bread. He makes um, a Japanese milk bread. It's a Hokkaido uh, milk bread company, right? Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And the other bread, too, the roll. Okay, so yeah. will you kind of explain to us what we're looking at as I'm eating? I just tried this potato salad and nearly knocked my socks off. It's Way okay. to only bring us one fork, Troy. Yeah. <laughs> I got three! I got three! Oh, got okay, three. there's another choice. That's so awesome. No, no I was just, um, I was texting trying to get the bailout on the grub because every single week we have a different seasonal grub or like, um, it's like our weekly grub that Chef Lydia creates. And okay. I was like, oh my gosh, I don't I don't know what's in this. And I know it's Napolis fries and then hibiscus flour birria, but I had to get a little bailout there. Um, okay. It has a salon. Cilantro lime crema as well. So that's this baby right yeah. here. Okay, so what we're yeah. looking at here is basically like a um, Japanese milk bread sandwich mm-hmm. that's kind of imitating birria mm-hmm. made with, how, okay. Hibiscus flour. Made with <laughs> hibiscus flour. Uh-huh. And so I guess I should reintroduce this too. The plot is completely plant-based, mm-hmm. right? And you guys grow a lot of the food. I mean, I'm sure you, you can't grow even half of the food that you guys yeah. serve. But you have, you, you subsidize your food with on-site garden. Yeah. Um, you grew 
you grow one like behind behind the the restaurant to uh, across the alley. You've yeah. got a you know, we've got a garden in the back that has like eight ten beds, and then we just we're adding six new beds closer to the front of the restaurant right now. Like they're being constructed right now. And not beds so, where like you yeah. can sleep, David. After yeah. a couple of days. <laughs> yeah, no, like, <laughs> okay. I mean a little bit of comfy soil, maybe. I don't know you that well yeah, yet. Yeah, oh yeah, no, David will <laughs> I don't want to make presumptions, but yeah. Um, so we're adding because we're going to try to double our growing space at least. Um, so this is so you can use. I mean, and this is it is fascinating to watch. I mean, plant-based cuisine and food. You can read about it in San Diego Magazine uh, this month. I mean, it's got it's come so far. I mean, the, the fact that you can kind of imitate you know bedia, which is a yeah. beef stew in Baja. You know, you using plants and using a lot of the spices. How chef? How do you make that? How do you like? How do you imitate bedia using? Well, plants? so the cool thing about the the birria is uh, it. Uh, obviously the first round the first blanching mm-hmm. you get your hibiscus tea mm-hmm. so um, this is you know we've got our two things we've got the as local and as regenerative as possible on the food and then there's the uh, the kind of highest intended purpose or zero wasting right so um, you know we can make a hibiscus soda with huh. with the first blanch um, mm-hmm. it can be kind of bitter so you might want to blanch it like one two or three more times uh-huh. and then you just simmer it in the spices just and the cool thing about the plant based is you don't have any bones to pick out of it. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got stems, that's about yeah. it. <laughs> so and you can use um the other way you kind of pull in the highest intended purpose is you use different layers of vegetable trim to kind of get that uh, emulate that depth of flavor that comes out a lot easier from say an animal bone you mm-hmm. know um, so and you can tell I mean that again slow cooking you know um, you get a little bit of browning on them uh, you know yeah. you get a little bit of like almost char you get a, a bit of char on the bread to yeah. here you know which kind of you know I mean not mimics meat you know because a lot I mean you, this is kind of a mimic a meat yeah. mimicking dish you do ones that are just completely plant-based as well yeah. you know but it gives you those like notes of you know if you're eating a bit of a sandwich you I mean or, or a bit of you you want that like like meaty charred browned edges and then that slow low and cooked meat and it kind of has that cool yeah. thank you that's yeah, that. so fun to hear because i've been plant-based for most of my life and so i don't know what any of this tastes like and it always blows my mind because <laughs> david's like do you want to try fried chicken i'm like is this what fried chicken tastes like because i love it like oh you, okay you guys i know we still have more hot plates to yeah, do and i just went through one dish we're going to continue going but the that the, the fried chicken that you guys have I don't know what kind of Wiccan magic you guys are pulling <laughs> over there. That's that guy. I, I got straight up KFC vibes from that. I mean, it had wow. that. It was nuts. It was, it was a magic trick. Okay. Anyway, so should we go ahead and we'll back on track? We can get to, we'll get to some of them. Whatever ones we get to, we get to. This is more fun eating awesome rad food. Uh, Common Stock is taking over the Bankers Hill restaurant. Mm-hmm. So... I talked about this, and this is this is a, a really good thing. It's a really good thing, and it's a, and it's a sad thing for me because I know Terrell, um, Terrell Gabre, who's been a restaurateur in San Diego for a long, long time. She's a p- partner in Market, and she owns Cafe Two 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 down um, in downtown, and she's been there. Everybody, if you've know you know who Terrell is because for years in Hillcrest, she had her own billboard with a waffle on her head. Dude, I knew you were yes. gonna say that. <laughs> Even I know that. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> do you do you know Terrell? I don't think I do, but okay. I know the billboard. You know the yeah. billboard. Yeah, the billboard. So she's been serving, um, you know, Cafe Two Two Two. She's been serving waffles down there in downtown for like 20-something years. I forget. She. I was just texting her the other day. Anyways, she had to close Baker's Hill uh, Bar and Restaurant, which was a really great restaurant. It was kind of an offshoot of Market, um, you know, and they were doing kind of like a more casual thing down there with great craft cocktails and everything else. During the pandemic, she had to shut it down. She eventually, you know, like, 
the lease, whatever happened, she couldn't get the lease back, you know, and and that's not great. I hate seeing that. But who's going in is Common Stock, and Common Stock is up in Hillcrest. It is they have done amazingly, amazingly well. Just good honest food you know like you know when a, a good chef uses good ingredients and you know it, it is like a genuine kind of farm to table you can tell like they're using fantastic ingredients and it's not just a loaded off of a very cold truck you know um that was been shipped in from cincinnati mm-hmm. you know like you can you like it's good honest food they're taking over that space um i'm actually going to talk to them later on today about what they're going to do with it but the fact is for bankers hill that will be reactivated that restaurant space will be reactivated by somebody who actually gives a damn and makes good food. So Comstock's nice. taking that over. Awesome. Rad. And tomatoes I, that taste like tomatoes, right? Tomatoes That's it, my favorite. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> when you can just taste, I think it's tomatoes that usually let me know how a restaurant stores is. Like, that, you can taste it. It is so <laughs> yeah. true. Like, I grew my own tomatoes for the first time, I mean, like, way a long, long time ago. I was like, I'm going to grow my own tomatoes. And I, I didn't know if I'd be able to do it because I, I, I kill houseplants. Like, houseplants. Yeah. And I've walked by houseplants in Home Depot and they die. You know, like, they're just like, all right, well, that guy's in the house. I'm done. Um, but the first time I ever grew my own and you taste it, you're like, holy shit, this is a completely different species of food. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I, this actually tastes like candy. Like, if, if, if tomatoes were that good, I don't think that I would ever crave a Dorito. You know, I wouldn't look at a Snicker and be like, I need some joy in my life. <laughs> yes. You know? Anyways. All right, go ahead. Well, this is uh, this is some exciting news for town. Pablo Becker is getting back into the game. Yes, Pablo Becker. Oh, my God. So Pablo Becker, um, oh, my God. I'm going to forget the actual name of the restaurant. I, I went there. I used to, to rave about it. They had a great brunch. Anyways, he was one of the first people to do high-end Mexican in San Diego. And he had a spot right over by Petco Park. Um, El Vitral. Elvatrol was the name. It was right. It was right down like one of those brick buildings right by Gallagher Square. And one of his first chefs was Priscilla Curiel, who now owns Tuatano Taqueria in San Diego. And Tuatano is fantastic. I actually, when Guy for Diners, Drive-ins, and Dives came into town last time, I made him go try their bone marrow tacos. Um, so he he went down there. She's on the Diners, Drive-ins, and Dives. I think like right now it's airing like this week or last week or something like that. I forget. Um, but. She was the chef there. He did a really great, um, like high-end Mexican just you know, cuisine. But San Diego wasn't ready to let Mexican cuisine elevate mm-hmm. at that time. And we've been talking about this forever. You know, I think now we're finally there because almost every chef that I know that even that you know isn't of Mexican heritage has taken some lessons from Mexican food, and so therefore we have Baja influence in almost every high-end restaurant in San Diego um, by far, if not m- larger parts of the country. So. I think we're letting Mexican food out of the bag. You know, like I think for years, San Diego was like, look, when I, if I need three road tacos, it's going to cost me five bucks. And I'm going to, you know, that's the only thing I'm willing to pay for Mexican yeah. food. Mm-hmm. And thank God that's changing. That's changing. Yeah. Finally. I, I genuinely think that is. So Pablo Becker, really, I think he was before his time, was doing like high end Mexican food. And he kind of got out of the industry for a while. He's opening up a spot in Barrio Logan called Fish Guts. And he's going to be uh, like, you know, various riffs on like seafood tacos and whatnot. So he's, that should be opening, I think, in a few months. I just got word that he's kind of start starting to break ground again i'm talking to him later on this afternoon this is all like literally like straight off the wire texted each other like about an hour ago and he's like all right i'll tell you the story later That's um, so rad. but yeah he's getting back in the game i love that name so much i'm so excited fish guts <laughs> like, yeah i mean as somebody who owns a sushi restaurant called wrench and rodent <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is still the most punk and an awful name in the history of the world i love it best and worst idea ever. is it best yeah. and worst idea that's my favorite idea i that bet was- you're 
merch sales kill it though. <laughs> I bet like it's like super good. Well, I remember, didn't we? Uh, somebody on like Eater, one of the little chat things, said something about us deserving oh. a Darwin Award early on. What was it? It was Chow Hound. It was Chow Hound. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I just remember being like, yeah, should I feel weird about this? I know, <laughs> like, right? Did we really screw up? It was like three months in or something. We're like, did we really screw up? Should we? Nah. I know. that. And, and Rich and Roden, right, well, we're going to continue, like slowly unroll your story mm-hmm. throughout the episode and then we'll do a real intro and we're going to repeat ourselves. But Rich and, Rich and Roden, <laughs> is I mean and I've named it my best sushi restaurant in San Diego a couple of years whenever we do our best um, restaurant list um, but it is fantastic you actually have massive skills was it Rapunky that you learned at no uh, Japango Japango yeah. I'm sorry Japango. That's like, that was university for sure yeah, yeah. Japango was like I mean, the legitimate like real 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 deals were all like young sushi chefs trained and then uh, David opened up Wrench and Rodent and, and, and Oceanside how many years ago oh nine Nine. nine, yeah. Thank you, Jessica. Starting to blur, but it's yeah. right? been a while. Yeah. It's like I know. So nine years ago, I mean, and it's the kind of place you guys you got to got to go in there and you see him like taking marrow out and making ponzu out of it, or I don't know what you're making, but I mean, you're making he's taking like every single part of the animal, and that's why I always you know named it. There's for me, I eat two different ways. Like it's got to be quality, uh, obviously. Like it's just got to taste good. You know, I'm not gonna go in there otherwise. I don't eat that food. I mean, I gotta I gotta have, I gotta have a little bit of flavor. So the the food the flavor has always been there with you, but you also eat with your heart too. You know, your ethics, your mind. Yeah. You know, I mean, nowadays. Again, this is why I love what you guys are doing at the plot, and and obviously at Ranch and your other places. But um, you know, you use every part of the animal. You don't let things go to waste. You know, I mean, this is this is the kind of cooking that we need to do, right? And, yeah. You know, the, to be stewards of the planet, and you know, and feed responsibly, and take resources responsibly. So, anyways, go up there, see Ranch and Run. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> next, next, next. All right, we're gonna do one more. I'm gonna give you a choice of three. Okay. All right. Do you want to talk about a new chef? Do you want to talk about a hotel, or do you want to talk about shopping at Westfield. Mm. These are your options. Uh, let's do something re- really light and quick. Let's let, let's do the holiday. Let's do the holiday market. The holiday market. Okay. Um, I don't see anything here about holiday market. But oh wait, not holiday market. <laughs> <laughs> I see something about a Christmas lounge. Let's do the Christmas lounge. <laughs> All right. The top of the Hyatt. They just redid their Christmas lounge. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, and I don't even think they call it a Christmas lounge because it's the holidays, and there are many more people that celebrate yeah. the holidays, and that's a very Christian-oriented or, um, thing. It's a holiday um, lounge, um, which I totally messed you up on that because I put the Christmas lounge. You in did. The notes, you completely I? threw me under the bus. Okay, that, that's awful of me, and I apologize. <laughs> Um, anyways, uh, the top of the height, I, you know, I kind of forget how how awesome that place is. There's a few perches in San Diego as a native that you can go and really take in the entire city. Going up to, up there, and and you know the people that work there. I know the people that work there. I know the people, people that work in the marketing department. They're awesome, and they actually actually good, have a really good tie with local brands as well. Like they're promoting a lot of like local makers within their menu. The top of the Hyatt is 40 floors up. It is. I mean, I actually. Um, from the, from the Manchester Grand one year, I did rappelled down from I think it was a thirty something floor. It was called Over the Top. It's for charity. Like you, oh, that's awesome. you lean backwards and you're oh, four to thirty nine floors up. But I mean, you can see the Rady Shell. You can see the sunset. You see everything. And they did. I mean, Christmas decorations are getting to be a competitive sport now. You know, I mean, uh, Christmas, excuse me, holiday decorations are getting to be a competitive sport. Like, I mean, they have a whole, like, they got a choo-choo train that goes through the place. They got a whole entire ski lift. Um, like, one of the chairs is in there. Awesome. They've got, like, I mean, they got everything. They're like, So I don't, 
have the fortitude to design my place myself, to be quite mm-hmm. honest with you. Mm-hmm. I hang like three stockings and I put up a tree and I'm like, there you go. <laughs> That's impressive. That's so yeah, more than, than I do. usually do. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I have a Christmas card. I'm going to put this on my counter. I yeah. Think, yeah. <laughs> it's like, I decorated a fruit tree like three years ago. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> nice. <that> <laughs> you threw some lights up. Yeah. Right? I mean, when I've got an 11 year old daughter, I got to do it. Now we got a one year old son. You know, so I got to get get into it again, but I suck at it by by every every means and measure possible. I'm terrible at decorating, and I'm not very festive in my heart. So it's nice if you go to the top of the Hyatt; they have a holiday lounge that's just completely over the top. I mean, it's one of those you like. It's like walking into Disneyland. It's like walking into like a Lucasfilm studio that's be- dedicated to the holidays, and you get to see. You know, uh, the entire city is one of the greatest purchases. It's like Mr. Ray's, you know. So anyways, go check it out. They got, um, I, I, I don't know, Christmassy drinks, Christmassy food. Holiday drinks. Holiday, holiday stuff. Food. I want to go. Do you want to go? <laughs> I know. I, I just keep on saying Christmas, don't I? Hey, it's okay. You know what? Uh, I'm just okay. It's one of the, ho- it's one of the holidays. Okay. Yeah, it yeah, is yeah. one of the holidays for sure. There's a lot of other places that have great holiday lighting too. Oh yeah, where like, uh, polite provisions? They always oh, have like, really, really great lighting. Like I think that they have some like kind of like holiday lighting certification where like people like actually judge it. And then right next to it, um, Fall Brewing actually does some really great lights too. Okay, so in North Park Bye. and Adams Avenue, that's uh, that's thirtieth and Adams. Thirtieth and Adams. Yep. That, that's actually uh, Normal Heights right now. It's it's like the cusp. I mean, I, some people be like, oh, that's North Park. Some people say it's Normal Heights. I think it's just great area. <laughs> I'm like I live near there and so I'm just happy alright so that's it that's it for our news because David um, cut me off because I'm, I really can't stop talking about it. it's, you want to know what it is it's that coffee order that you went on right before this like right before you went on breaking the, the fourth wall here Troy was like went to every single person in the office was like you want coffee you want coffee you want coffee he came back with like four trays of coffee yeah I did and so like everyone in the office now is just like a little buzz mile a minute yeah it's what you need when you're on I apologize to everybody listening at home and David and Jessica alright alright let's do some marketing stuff yes okay how about some marketing segment here um Troy puts up a blog post on sandiegomagazine.com every week talking about all these different things and we will link you to all of those and we also want to remind you if you want to See someone on the podcast, have any sponsorship inquiries, email me at happyhalfhoursdmag.com. And uh, I'm going to keep them short and sweet today while Troy takes pictures of uh, this amazing food that do, was brought to us. Do you feel, us. feel the influence rise in this room right yes. now? <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh, I'm, it's a, I'm an influencer. <laughs> I think I'm going to actually do this. I'm going to, I'm going to, I should start my uh, this Instagram account of me just taking photos of Troy influencing because I have probably literally like 55,000 photos yeah, over the cool. last uh, Did you 11 s- years of you. Like, I mean, I actually like... It comes up as like you come up as an icon on my photos of your face, so it's like, oh, I have this all of Troy's photos. Did right you there. see that? I mean, I did like the rise. Look like, at you that. Start up with the close <laughs> up, that? and then you like kind of rise like a drone. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's that's like pro influencery. I didn't just see it though; I felt it. You did. Oh, <laughs> you felt it, right? Yeah. Like the room shifted yeah. a little bit, right? The whole universe. Yeah. The whole universe. <laughs> Look at. Anyways, right there, D- David, what? There's the photo of you. You're oh. right there. It's like it's like I can just pull up all the. I'm so sorry for just staining your phone like that. <laughs> um, okay, David, what what is in that? Um, like, I mean, it's salsa chimmy or what's yeah, those are it's a shishito salsa, um, carrot fish tacos. So like, there's nice. the you know you got a couple different things with the plot and mm-hmm. plant based. You know, like obviously, uh, you know, there's it, it's vegan. You know, right. but yeah. we don't. We kind of when opening the plot, we felt the biggest area for change is 
everybody, you know. So there are some more um, animal-like dishes, flavor-wise. Yeah. Yep. And that's to kind of, it's the gateway drug, you know. Absolutely. Um, I mean, like, you and me can chow down on some plants, and we know Jessica can. Yeah. And be totally stoked <laughs> on that. But, like, to have something for everybody when you're cooking, you know, just with with plants is it's it's a fun challenge you know mm-hmm. and it's something we try to because i think a lot of difference can be made if meat eaters just eat a little bit less meat not because i want to tell anyone what to do but just because the stuff's good and it's fun right but that's like the middle that's the missing link because mm-hmm. it's a fish taco but it's a carrot fish taco and it's not any veggie dish should be fun and playful and have a nod to what it's trying to be but still be recognizable as itself like Mm -hmm. Saturday Night Live actors you know like they have to be recognizable as who the actor or actress is while obviously playing somebody very different you know and that's kind of like a little unsaid rule food is Saturday Night Live I love Mm -hmm. that yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. everything can go back to Saturday Night Live yeah that's a Will Ferrell taco right there Yeah. yeah yeah That's what it I is. mean, and that's really, really good. I mean, and I, I totally understand it. It's so funny because there's, there's a debate in um, plant-based food. It's like, why do you try to make the food look like meat? You know what I mean? Why don't you just celebrate the plants? And you can, you know, but I mean, to be a pragmat- pragmatist, you know, I mean, honestly, like we all grew up with these memories. I mean, unless you just never ate meat. And yeah. you? I ate meat until I was seven. And then I started going vegan-ish in my early teens. Okay. So then I kind of went back and forth. And even when I met him, I'd still have like one scallop or like one little bite of goat cheese. And then really shortly after that, I just went 100%. But um, I think things like fried chicken, um, I never really had. And so it's yeah. just fun. You know, it's fun to kind of know what that might taste like. Right. Um, and... Yeah, it's it's just fun to experiment too and not take it too seriously. And I think yeah. that's everybody wants to like like have this perspective or you know have a rule about it. And I'm just like, let's just enjoy yeah. food that's yeah. like, fun. You don't have to do great. one or the other. Yeah, exactly. You can do both. And right, that's kind of like a lot of what's behind the plot. It's like, you know, you don't have to turn in your meat eater card at the door. You yeah. don't have to <laughs> promise to go vegan mm-hmm. and treat it like it's a religion. Like yeah. you know. You, people out there got enough people trying to tell them what to do you know but you can eat a good meal that happens to be made with plants and Mm. you can do that whether you want to celebrate the plants or celebrate something being something it's not with a little take a minor break between ribeyes yeah Yeah. (laughs) you know and it's I mean honestly I feel like so many people who start eating more plants just feel really good and again Mm -hmm. we're not telling anyone not to go out and eat a steak on another day but it's just like there's nothing wrong with eating a regenerative carrot that tastes like kind of a taco like it's I this is delicious isn't that delicious I'm like blown away by how good this is (laughs) I'm telling you guys the carrot fish tacos and I love that shishito uh, salsa chimmy whatever it is oh thank you yeah that it's got a tiny bit of sweetness to it too what is it is that mirin no that's it's uh, sushi vinegar touch of sushi Ah. vinegar and then caramelized onions Mm. okay got it so sushi vinegar isn't that mirin or no um, ours is cider vinegar White wine vinegar. Okay. Um, Morena sugar, because like white white sugar, believe it or not, is not vegan. Plus, Morena sugar is just better. It's just evaporated sugar cane. How is white um, How is white sugar is it not, the clarification not vegan? process? It, yeah, they the, use bone dust sometimes oh, to right. get it. You know, because like when you try to change natural food 
to be a color it's not supposed to be mm-hmm. yep. but like brown isn't the most sightly color for for food you know right like, right you know, well but, and most brown isn't vegan either because what they usually do is they remove the molasses and then put the molasses back into it so it's still yeah. going through that same process and that's like wine i mean in wine they use isinglass or you mm-hmm. know they use fish bladders mm-hmm. to clarify the wine a lot of times you know it's not the only thing that they can yeah. do you can find ones that are vegan you know but I mean, yeah there's a lot of animal products used that you yeah. don't actually think about and, and the sugar i would never have thought about and there's so much of it just yeah. you know it's it's starting to like get people asking questions you know why do we do that if the answer is that's the way we've always always done done it red flag you know like what can we shake up what can we disrupt all right so these guys have been here um since the beginning we've been talking about their food already and i'm going to do an ad hoc introduction um i'm sure i'm going to miss some of the bio points and whatnot we can get to them during the the interview they're just two of my favorite people and they're two of my favorite people because they give a shit about food and they have been doing good work in food with local farmers with you know just like take a look at every business practice that they've ever done it seems to me and and honestly saying how can we make um this better how can we make it less impact on the environment how can we use every single thing that we pull out of the environment how can we use it in seven different ways so that you know we're minimizing waste you know i mean and no, and no way do i claim you guys to be saints and i'm sure you wouldn't mm-hmm. either no you no, know not but by you a long shot. but you give but you've given <laughs> Wait, it a shot you know us? <laughs> yeah right, i know but, but you've given it a shot this, this is david and jessica Waite who own wrench and rodent wet noodle the plot and anything else? We're partnered on shoots, which is like a quick casual seafood concept, a whole fish utilization, same ethos, just okay. in a walk-up counter in a bottle craft in Oceanside in Tremont Collective. Oh, you're part of the bottle, bottle craft too? Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, look. We're, we're inside, inside bottle craft, you know, oh, wow. but I, you gotta, you, I gotta show you, shoots is a fun one because it's mm-hmm. taking the bullet points of wrench and taking mm-hmm. those techniques and putting them in a more marketable package. Yep. You know, and in a lot of ways, it's kind of like the In-N-Out burger size menu, yep. you know, three and three, but all of the cool offcuts that that produces gives us the real, f- so it's a six item menu with a 20 item special board. <laughs> <laughs> it's rad, and like all the all the the team over there, complicated. No, I'm not the team over there. They're all fine dining chefs that are just over the you know kind of the fine dining. Uh, Rigor, yeah. Uh, Rigor, yeah. I, I better back up before I get myself in trouble. Um, but you know, like I mean, because that's that's another thing is improving the environment, improving the workspace and cooking. You know, what we had mm-hmm. before the pandemic was a career that paid like a job. Mm-hmm. And trying to really get all of the things you hear about mental health and how uh, people in the kitchens are, because you can taste love in food. And if they're not feeling loved, and um, it, it comes out in the food, and, and, yeah. and, and again, it's the right thing to do. And it, we're not, we're far from perfect, but yep. the difference is we're admitting where things can be better and making a daily effort to slowly improve it. Now, when you say that, okay, so can you give me some tangible examples? Like, uh, you know, we all know this. We've all known that, I mean, every industry is pockmarked, right? Yeah. Every, no, no one's perfect. You know, I would love to pay my employees twice as much, yeah. you know? I uh, would too. I know, I know. <laughs> so the, um, but I mean, I would love to, you know, I'd have, love to have all the benefits. I'd love to have childcare on site, you know? I'd love to have, you know, whatever it may be, you know? And, and obviously that, that's money and we don't really, we can't afford all that, but what tangible things have you guys really kind of tackled uh, it to make it a better emotional place and a better you know a safe safe place for cooks and chefs because it's come out in the last couple of years that it's been a terrible industry mm-hmm. yeah. toxic 
masculine, um, abusive, uh, long hours, low wages, all, all, all the all, things. Yeah. yeah, and that's one thing when we talk about being disruptive. Like we have to remember, it's not just like, if we're going to disrupt in the food system. It's not just about the food and how we're sourcing. It's it's everything across the board. And I think this industry, especially, like, we both grew up in it. I I remember what it was like to be a waitress um, working in a bar. You know, and there's so many things that I don't want the girls that work or the anyone who works with us to ever have to experience. And so we're really just looking top down and trying to figure out like every system we create and every conversation we have, how do we just kind of continue to create a culture where people feel safe coming forward? And and I've had team members come to me and be like, dude, you need to step back, you're micromanaging. And I'm like, shoot, I didn't realize that. They're like, we've mm-hmm. got this, you can trust us. And so learning to trust our team, but making sure that we're still there if they need us. Like there's just so many little, it's not one big um, aha moment. It's just a lot of little lessons that we can mm-hmm. learn from the people that we're co-creating with. It's not, you know, it's not us telling them what to do. It's all of us working together to find solutions moving forward because they all have different perspectives. And when you say that you remember being a, um, like a waitress in a bar. Oh yeah. You know, I, mean, <laughs> I, I detect, you know, some sexism, some, some Always. lecherism, some. I mean, in, in, it wasn't even predator. the restaurant industry. Every industry I've worked at, I've experienced sexual harassment of some form or another. Yep. I've ex- experienced a patriarchy, a top-down mentality in which one person is given way too much power and maybe not questioned. And so that is one thing that we're really daily working to change mm-hmm. is, you know, making sure that everyone feels empowered, but not so much power that they become um, uh, What's the word? Unreproachable? <laughs> What's um, dictatorish? Dictatorish. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Upon, or beyond reproach. That was uh, the word I was looking for. Be, yeah. Yeah. Not so much power that they become beyond reproach because it's, um, we don't ever want to step back. There's been times where David and I have stepped back and focused on other projects and maybe we've been a little blind to what was going on in sure. our businesses. And, and that happens and that's why we have to have teams that we trust, mm-hmm. but we should never step back that much. Like we always right. need to go know what's going on. You need to, like, they're not, brick and mortar things brick and mortar is a term they're living organisms and they're living organisms that are made up of a bunch of other living organisms and you know some if you're an accountant you know crunching numbers and you never go on the restaurant floor you know maybe they're a liability on Mm -hmm. paper but really that's the most important part those are the assets it's yep. the most important part of everything. So, I mean, for me, and you I've probably found grew up in a pretty toxic environment in terms of, uh, you know, uh, the brutality of the of, of the restaurant kitchens in, in like the early two thousands. When did you start cooking? What year? Um, Ninety six. Ninety six. There was a little bit of uh, working for um, Japanese restaurants before. Um, coming back to San Diego mm-hmm. and um, Japango because I lived up in Santa Barbara for a couple of years okay. to you know quote unquote go to college but <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah go to college in the kitchen mm-hmm. yeah, yeah yeah but um yeah I mean it's you know all that stuff people hear about is it, it was real and yeah. I think back then it was more um it, it was accepted and it was very normal you know I've, yeah and cor- it's a tough job deal with it mm-hmm. corporal you punishment know? was still a thing you know like right um and you just hope the pan yeah. flying at your head wasn't hot you know um <laughs> yeah but you know and you know by default monkey see monkey do mm-hmm. like you pick up those traits mm-hmm. you know like i can't sit here and act holier than thou and say that i've never lost completely lost my shit on somebody yeah totally you know like yeah. i you know but there's a difference between that and that's something I got to work on myself every day. Yeah. Thankfully, you know, being in the program and 
you know, cutting out alcohol just to stay sober. Yeah. I have to work on myself every day. And it doesn't mean that I can't take this other stuff and, and lump it on there because for me to stay sober, I got to be the best person I can. Right. And you could, so, you could drink it a lot. How long, how long did you put? 16, 16, 16 17 years, years you've been sober. Yeah. That, and that in of itself is a and, massive feat. And you have yeah. to have, the, but they talk about moral inventory, right? Yeah. And that is one of the most important steps. And I, and I think that most yeah. every single person should be doing every single day. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> no. it, it, I mean, you can look at something like that and, you know, oh, drug addict or alcoholic or whatever, you know, but like mm-hmm. really, if you stick with it, it gives you a competitive advantage, you know, right. and yeah. it's just, it's just good to do, you know? Yep. So a lot of that's been helpful, but um, just kind of breaking the mold, you know, why do we do this? Cause this is the way it's always been done. Mm-hmm. Why do we throw a tantrum? And you can be firm, you yeah. know, like, but one way to kind of get around that is have good people in the beginning to start with and, and teach them well, make sure that they're heard, they're listened to. Um, running things more like a council than yep. a dictatorship. Yeah, Like, yeah. I got a good idea of what Jessica and myself want, mm-hmm. but like, that doesn't, we're not always right. Being mm-hmm. able to acknowledge that as chefy as I want to be sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I'm wrong, you yeah. know? And, like, it's, not the, and it's not the only want in the house. <laughs> the the uh-huh. idea exactly. that chefs and cooks gotta be robots. Mm-hmm. That needs to go out the window because yeah. it doesn't work. You can't you can't put that square peg in the round hole. Yeah. We we are human, and that's totally cool. Like yeah. if you uh, nourish that, yeah. you're going to get a better result. Yeah. Um, and so that's, that's I mean I love that, and that's that's part obviously when we talk about and it's when you talk about anything in food, you know, or you talk about you know either rege- regeneration, stewardship, sustainability, whatever word you want to use. You know, I know that each every, every six months it seems like we change it because mm-hmm. like oh there's something wrong with sustainability now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but um, whatever word you choose, you always got to think about the human element, right? You know, we talk about food. You know, we talk about the way the farmer workers are are um, treated. You know, um, the way that you know any kind of like quinoa got in really hot water because there was basically slave labor going on to, mm-hmm. to grow a lot of the quinoa in the world and here you know people were buying this thinking that they were having this like a great alternative to protein and and everything else and they found out that the human treatment behind it yeah. so that's part of sustainability and that's part of regeneration what about you we, you guys sent us a um a list before this what were the other like things like kind of the problems in food and how you guys are approaching them Okay, so I kind of tried to break it down to three because I go down this rabbit hole and get yeah. really researchy. We may be here um, for three yeah. weeks. I love this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll <laughs> make it three parts. You guys, build but, up a cot. You know, I think I think we were talking about, you know, the way that big ag does agriculture. You know, mm-hmm. the agro-industrial complex or commercial agriculture is one, definitely. Um, plastics is definitely a second. And then food waste. Mm-hmm. And so there, there are three things right there um, that are just really detrimental to the environment and also to human health when you start to dig into it. And so... So, and we can we, let's talk yeah. about let's talk about them individually then. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, the the commercial um, um, farming, you know, and I, I, <laughs> David's like, oh my god, he's looking at his watch. He's like, don't get her started. Don't get her started. This is good though. This is good. This is, is this is yeah. what we, I mean. And again, this is the kind of stuff that at the plot. I mean, you guys are trying to build build a future, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you're you're imagining the future of what a restaurant and and food stewardship should be, and you know, um, that entire organism. How it can be a healthier, better place for both the planet and people? The um, with the commercial farm. We know a few of the big the top-down problems are, are that we are not regenerating the soil, and the soil is basically the bedrock. It's the blood system for the entire planet Earth, right? You know, and if we're just using commercial fertilizer, you're using NPK, phosphorus, ni- mm-hmm. nitrogen, and potassium, and then you're not getting a food is not getting as much nutrients and not getting. Mm-hmm. 
diverse and you get a lot of runoff that goes into the ocean mm -hmm. and you get dead zones are the biggest largest dead zone in the Gulf of, of uh, Mexico um, that's the largest in the world that means it because of the runoff from commercial fertilizer nothing will actually live in this massive 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 balloon of dead zone uh, you know that that's those are some of the bigger problems right and how does using local farms help that I mean are, are you guys choosing to work with growers who absolutely regenerate? I mean, there's some great local regenerative farms yeah. and um, you know it's funny we were doing a, a tour with Sage Hill Ranch Gardens um, mm -hmm. there in Escondido and listening to his story um, Skyler's story about how he learned along the way because it was one of those um, another story where somebody didn't really start out with a farm background but then they just kind of started okay let's grow food in this land and then let's learn how to regenerate the soil and then let's learn how to keep the pests away and all the different things that start you start to find balance again mm -hmm. in the food system um, the biggest little farm tells that story really well if anybody's seen that documentary but kind of locally just starting to make friends and that's another thing too um is the 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 friendship building and the community that we build around the restaurant we get to learn from all of those people mm -hmm. and so um, people always talk about supporting local farms but so often they're supporting us in so many different ways mm -hmm. by teaching us by providing some of the best quality food that we can get from the taste perspective as well as the nutrition environmental impact um, yeah. and so those are just things where working with the local farmers for us um, is just like a win-win-win across the board and taste is huge yeah. you guys can't order from if you're gonna do plant-based food yeah that's got, those plants gotta be damn good yeah exactly right. and then you're decreasing your carbon footprint because of transport you're not using the plastic waste because they're bringing things in bins and then taking mm -hmm. their bins back um, you can probably jump in on this too it feels like sometimes the benefits are so many that we're like why would we do it any other way right but it's a pain in the ass isn't it Chef, <laughs> you want to talk yeah. about that? I mean, doing this, I mean, and, and again, I, I want to keep on saying this throughout the podcast. Mm -hmm. Nobody is claiming um, perfect sainthood here. You know, I mean, you guys are just doing the best you best you can. But I know that you guys, I, I personally know a lot of the measures that you guys have taken, and they're above yeah. and beyond what most restaurants do. Um, you know, like, how much of a pain in the ass is it to be regenerative? And I think most of the pain in the ass is in the habit breaking, you know, okay. like you want to quit smoking cigarettes or stop picking your nose or like, you know what I mean? Like whatever it may be, any human habit is hard to break. So, you know, the whole going back to this, the way we've always done it thing. I mean, yeah, it, you can open up a laptop, use Cisco's computer program, yep. click a bunch, bunch of boxes, you know, and especially for, um, you know, chefs who are working long hours and that's time that it could be with their family. Yeah. So there is an adjustment. Yeah. You know, I think once the systems are implemented and once you invest that, um, there is some things that are harder, like just having like wrench and rodent, you know, there's like 40 vendors. Yeah. Instead of a cat. And it was some, some people have one. Yeah. I mean, yeah. or a couple, but yeah. you know, yeah. it's mo a couple catalogs. So they're like, like you said, yeah. go on, go on one. Do, 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 do. Dealing with the seasons is also, also harder, mm -hmm. um, you know, fish, seafood and, and vegetables. Yeah. So there's a certain flexibility you need in the menu planning. Mm -hmm. And it, in a way, like in the extreme, like Rancho Mikase case, it's not recipe-based cooking, it's formula-based cooking. Got it. Where the plot, you can have recipes, but you gotta know when to change them. Yeah. You know, like when one thing goes out, another thing goes in. And you got a Kenny Rogers just, that menu, know when to fold Smooth. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so um, it's definitely an adjustment. And it, it is a lot of work, you yeah. know. Um, thankfully, there's regenerative farmers that deliver. 
You okay. know, um, the early days of ranch when I was running down to pick out the fish by hand, uh, grab whatever from specialty, mm-hmm. go into the farm, you know, like it got to a point where I had to just like, hey, I my feet need all. to be in the kitchen, yep. you know, and until we have, it's a hard one, you know, because um, I mean, so much of why uh, industrial agriculture works is because of distribution, mm-hmm. which has nothing to do with food and convenience. Right. You know, like we're all busy. Yeah. We, uh, we don't have one of, the, one of the resources that we also don't have, you know, along with water in California is time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, but there's also this opportunity to flip it and make that part of your value proposition. Um, and like we say, with the taste and there's a lot of benefits to. And then also going back to the conversation about what's good for people and for the people on our teams, like interacting with local farms is good for them. They feel good about that. Mm-hmm. Having a farm on site is great for them. Our entire team goes out at the beginning of their shift and picks, you know, herbs or veggies or whatever it is and it just like I'll see their social media posts about them spending time out with the bees and the basil and it's just it's so that's like it's I another mean, it level really of is. like exactly yeah. like something that we can provide for for our team and I think um, people ask about employee retention or team member retention and and that's something where we've had a really robust awesome committed and loyal team for a long time now and I think a huge part of that is because they believe what we believe they know mm-hmm. we're not just in it for the money in the bottom line like we're actually trying to do something that is forward thinking and they can get behind that and they stick with us even when times are tough and they could make more money down the street sure you know so that's that's awesome yeah i mean when, when people buy into your ethics i mean that's the best kind of yeah. buy-in that you get or your vision yeah. you know if you guys all see eye to eye and seeing seeing eye to eye on having you know a more responsible less wasteful you know a food system is is pretty easy to get people on board but but then people are swayed too right? down like you said down down the street they can they can make more money you know i mean especially during the pandemic i mean we saw the shortage of cooks and restaurant employees for sure you know i mean we saw people getting poached you know yeah. I, every mm-hmm. every restaurant tour i talked to it was like i had somebody walk in from a restaurant down the street and offer my staff 20 more dollars an hour and i was like yeah. the, great, the great poachings of 2020 i know <laughs> but the cool thing about that sorry to cut you off it was um i like the fact that it kind of created a little bit of a, a competition for pay rate because mm-hmm. all of a sudden you know entry level line cook i feel like went way higher yeah. and then that's been sustained so that needed to happen it might not have market happened. correction yeah exactly so that was to me something that was actually kind of a silver lining from that whole situation and, and you're saying this yeah. as business owners that means yeah. you've got to pay it oh yeah, yeah we're probably oh, yeah. getting kicked out of the restaurant owners club for yeah. this one Troy. <laughs> yeah <laughs> but no i mean honestly and that was i mean there's three main things when it comes to a um, team member retention you know number one is pay yeah and it costs a lot to live in san diego yeah and that's not necessarily anyone's fault mm-hmm. but it's a reality and yeah. it doesn't change the fact it's a reality yeah so seeing seeing the pay for because i mean when i started doing sushi it was three dollars and 75 cents an hour even though minimum wage was already raised to four dollars and 25 cents an hour and it was i was just stoked i was learning something yeah but i lived with my mom and dad yeah you know there was food in the fridge yeah you know trying to somebody who's got a few kids and you know doing that so that helped huge keeping people engaged and learning yeah and And you guys having that on-site garden i mean i'm I'm sitting with this african basil i can still smell (laughs) i'm reaching to my left i mean that they they get to interact with it they get to smell it they get to see it they get to pick it they get i mean that's how restaurants used to be Mm -hmm. that was the original restaurant was that you grew food in the back and you cooked it in the front yeah you know, or vice, or, or mm-hmm. you grew it in the front and cooked it in the back, whatever. And you slept well at night, proud yeah. of what you were feeding people. Mm-hmm. You know, that's huge too. I, I, one thing, you know, the value of being able to sleep at night is huge. 
you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, you feel like you're, you've, it, there's, there's the real substance to, to what you do in your job. Every yeah, day. we talk about that a lot because it hasn't, I mean, Wrench was a little bit ahead of its time. We kind of went into that with no budget, no real experience. I was pre-med at the time. I had like no idea what we were doing. And he, you know, had all the culinary skill, but we were still figuring a lot out. And so we made a lot of mistakes and we weren't always the best at making money, but we always felt really good about what we were doing. And we yeah. always knew if we stopped, and I still feel like this, if we stopped today, we still have benefited a lot of people. We've mm-hmm. changed some perspectives in the community. We've supported and kind of empowered some different, you know, farmers or whoever it is locally. It's just, it feels like at every single day we could say, okay, if we stop now, that we made a difference. And that feels good. I love that. And, yeah, for you know, sure. I, and can you give me, a, give people a quick example at Wrench? Like what, I know you were using the, the Merrill before a lot of people were, people were just kind of, you know, using, maybe they make some fish stock out of, yeah. you know, at the bones, you know, maybe. You know, some people were throwing away the bones. You know, uh, give me give me like one or two other examples of like innovative w- ways that you were using things that were getting thrown away. Um, eggs and sperm. I was going to say you want to talk one. about sperm. Eggs <laughs> and sperm. Yeah, sperm. <laughs> sperm. Like if you cook it right, it's a lot like a liver mousse. And uh, fish livers, fish hearts, eyeball glazes. Yeah. Um, haven't figured out how to make the gills taste good yet. Okay. But um, that's a tough one. Fish, fish skin chips and and dip. Yeah. Um, and we, one thing that Wrench really taught us, and we kind of figured it out by hitting our head up against walls and stuff, is that if you tie it back in some way to like childhood nostalgia or comfort food, yeah, or even do a healthier chips. version of yeah, fish skin chips and guac, mm-hmm. all of a sudden fish skin is interesting. Yep. You know, and huh. in none of this did we invent the wheel. You know, a lot sure. of this stuff comes sure. from. Um, I, I like the thought uh, backwards thinking. Yeah, backwards thinking. A lot of if you want to look like you're from the future, look to the past and definitely look to other cultures, um, because some of the stuff never fell out of style in in other cultures. So how do you bring that and make it work in our culture? Mm-hmm. And you know, tuna heads was not a big sell until we did Kentucky Fried tuna heads, and then you know you've got people fighting over the last one. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And yeah. it's really because you got to just break the ice. Yeah. The food is delicious. And as long as we do our job right, you know, and sometimes sometimes we've, we've had some big misses too, you know? Sure, like sure. when you're... <laughs> you're like, that's disgusting. <laughs> Thankfully, most of them never saw the light of day. Yeah. But, you know, and that's that's cool. Like if, if team members like screw something up, I know they're pushing themselves and I know they're trying. Yeah. And, Mistakes got to be okay. Okay, so that's so you that's know? wrench, and this was I really kind of started the ethos of like using every single part, and then the plot. When I, you guys started this, and you guys opened it right before the pandemic started, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's that's fun. <laughs> so okay, good. let's not get into that. I'm, I'll, I'll start crying while violins <laughs> will come through the office door. But the um, you guys, I, the idea was to be completely sustain. I mean, regenerative, meaning like zero waste. Have that a, a, adjusted? How? I mean, let's. Let's let's shift it based on one of the things that you said earlier. Plastics is, mm-hmm. is the the like. Give us an example. I know that plastics have been a massive. I talked to one of the owners of um, a, a restaurant. I was doing a thing on sustainability about two years ago, and he goes, "You know, what nobody talks about plastic wrap. Like, yeah. you know how much plastic wrap is used in restaurants? Holy shit! It like, sucks. it, it yeah. is. It, it's <laughs> so so. I mean, oh, I, plastic but you in have, general is just awful. Like, right. it's so just how do you combat? That? I mean, give uh, us an example of how bad the problem is, and then how you guys. Yeah, combat. and I feel like it was like I think the 1960s when someone from the plastics industry said that the future of plastics was in the garbage can, and up until that point, it had been a durable good, and then they realized that it was going to become um, so much more profitable and better for their business if they made it a disposable product. 
correct. And I get mad <laughs> when I think about that. Mm-hmm. And I think we all do. Because it just doesn't make any sense. You have this durable good and we're throwing it away after one use. And and in our industry, we've gotten so used to that. Um, it's really hard to, just like anything else, it's start to, hard to start to shift those habits. Um, we do not use plastic wrap at the plot. That was one thing we kind of said from day one. Um, I, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm reaching across for a knife <laughs> while you're talking. This is so rude. No. But I feel rude with your food. Okay. No. What happened right there is I'm trying to eat the food and she's in the middle of a conversation. I was trying to cut it. Really, I'm really I've been waiting for you to distracted. cut that. <laughs> I just like mentally no. meander anyway. No, so you me guys too. Me too. Like and I apologize for doing that too. No plastic wrap had to die to make that sandwich. Yeah, no. And, that's, <laughs> and plastics are still coming into the restaurant. We have um, TerraCycle, which is a company that takes the plastic, sorts them, and uses them to create durable goods. So anything that can't awesome. go in the recycle, we put in the TerraCycle box. Um, that's something that we get a box about every month. It's $200-ish to have that box. The team puts anything in there that we need to send back, and then we just mail it back. It's not a perfect solution. It is a sure. band-aid, but it is something that we can feel like, okay, well, at least nothing's going in the landfill. It's a stopgap while yeah. we try to back off on the plastic coming. Because the best thing is to not use it in the first place. Yeah. Sure, you know? sure. And, and you've got like local farmers and like specialty produce who are awesome. Yeah. Hey, we don't want any plastic. Okay, done, easy. And then there's bigger companies, and we have to become a bigger company to have a little bit of clout. But, you know, at least we got that to buy us time while we're kind of figuring it out. Yeah. Creating our Yeah, you have to do a stopgap. Yeah, I mean, you you can't just all of a sudden radically change everybody because when you change, other people have to change with you. You're not not changing in a bubble. Well, that's exactly. We can't just say, okay, this is it, and then expect all of the vendors and all the supply chains to just be fixed, and that would be awesome. But that's (laughs) not a bad thing. You know, it's a good thing to say it out loud because I think when when we have these very complex, very scary, detrimental issues, you, you feel like you're looking up at a mountain and it's easy to get overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. There's no complex questions, there's multiple answers. And yeah. in a world of single issue voting, it's so easy to wanna just run in your bed, pull the covers over your head, close the curtains and hide and whimper like a scared child. Right. So just anybody going down this road, it, it's a journey. You yeah. know, and it starts with very small steps, and that's totally okay. Yeah, because at least you know you're doing something. Yeah, and when you start, you know, you, rabbit holes are rabbit holes for a reason. You know, <laughs> like it starts, it starts like, with a scratch. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and and then you just keep going. And yeah. I think, kind of uh, eating plant based and the zero waste thing is a mm-hmm. lot of people. We, we need to move away from a world where people get, um, people the people who are actually trying get chastised for not trying hard enough or doing enough or trying right. perfectly. And that scared a lot of people away from, from both movements. And instead of that, we need to just get together as a, the species, the human species, and yeah. be like, look, you know, One let's step. all chip in here. Yeah, yeah. just and chip in, chip in what, you're, what you're willing to do, what you can. You know what I mean? It, it just, the, the making people, the judgmentalism, I think, of any kind of a good, a good um, intentioned movement is the worst thing that hit, hits it is judgmentalism. You know, and I get a lot of cla- um, a flack from v- the vegan community because mm-hmm. I think one of the be- the worst things that happened to the vegan community was, you know, pretentiousness, mm-hmm. you know, and judgmentalism. You know, and I get it because, you know, when, you, when you're talking about animals being killed, you know, for some people it's very, you know, as, as a food source, that's very personal. You know, people. Some people take that very, very personally, and it's like you're, you know, a murderer. You're, you know, I was like, well, human beings have been eating food for animals as food, and animals eat animals. You go down the whole rabbit hole, but the whole thing is like, look. 
don't be pretentious about it. Don't be judgmental. Don't be off-putting. Just lead by example, and I could talk about Absolutely. it. Absolutely. You know, and that's I know when you, you started, guys started with the plant-based stuff. You were like, look, we don't even. We just want to. It's it's badass plant food. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's not let's not put any labels on it. Let's yeah. just you know we're making good shit out of plants. Well, and that was like the whole we wanted to say feeding the uh, revolution because we are we have that like activist spirit. We just want to stand up and fight. Both of us do. We've always been like that. Right. But really, we realized it needed to be feeding the evolution because for us, it's like we want to kind of support everyone's journey at every step along the way. Like they can go to Ranch and get a better version of seafood that then they might get somewhere else. And then they can come to the plot and they can eat all plants if they want to. And they can know that they didn't come from monocrop farming and they came from local farms and all the things. Um, And then also, just like you said, the inclusivity is super important. And that was like from day one with our team. It's like we never want to be a place where anybody feels judged. Like that's Mm -hmm. just to me, that makes no sense. And until we get past the other, you know, kind of key point, like, you know, first, I think we need to worry about like not wasting food because the easiest, the lowest hanging fruit out of all of this is how much food we throw away. Yeah. Like if we stop wasting food, I mean, it's not as good as the most hardcore vegan would like to see or want sure. to hear, yeah. but that nobody can say that doesn't save the lives of animals, mm-hmm. you know? Right. And it's the, what upsets me more than death is needless death yeah, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. needless waste. And right. so much of it is needless. And it's... Um, one, one of the worst, yeah. I mean, one of the best uh, lessons I ever got in sustainability was I ate at Zenbu, um, which was a sushi restaurant. They were mm-hmm. awesome. awesome. Legendary. Yeah, right? That was Solana Beach or was it uh, Cardiff? Was it Cardiff? I think Card- Cardiff. Yeah, it was in, L- it in, was La, in La Jolla too. and then Cardiff. The one in Cardiff, I went and there was uh, Tim Johnson who was the su- sushi chef there. Um, I did. I was just starting to write about food. Was, I, this was like 13 years ago. And he, he they have this uh, this uh, fish tank. He reaches in the end of the tank, grabs fish. Um, he um, uh, sticks, I think, like a, um, a metal probe into the, the back of its head. Yeah. Um, takes, takes the fish itself. Um, sashimis the fish right there on the plate. And they, there's sashimi, and then half the thing is still on the plate alive, and its mouth is, is moving and looking at me as I'm eating its body. I didn't know if that was a fraternity prank, and I was like, I'm kind of disgusted and grotesque, you know, or if it was a traditional thing that I was like, holy shit, like, I, I don't want to disrespect this sushi chef if this is a traditional thing. And I, it changed me because I looked my food in the eye. Mm-hmm. I looked my food in the eye as it was dying, you know, and I went, holy crap. I'm like, I, I, it almost made me want to cry. I was like, ah, oh, God, I was like, okay, I will never order a double cheeseburger and only eat half, mm-hmm. you know, like I will never, I will never waste. Like I just looked my food in the eye. There's something, and yeah. it's it told me, I, I, that changed my whole perspective, even on hunting. I was yeah. against hunting for a while for like, oh, you're killing animals, but I eat them. I, you know I mean? I was like, I'm like, but yeah, I was like, kind of like, wow, no, if you actually go and you, ha- you, you have the courage to look your food in the eye and understand that a life has to be given and you won't waste it. I mean, that, and then it really, you start to understand like the value of eating everything yeah. and, not and if you do look that food in the eye you know when you're yeah. harvesting it you know we even changed yeah. the verbiage around uh, how we get our food yeah. just to make it just to protect the masses from those realities harvesting. you know yeah if you, if that doesn't do something to you there's something horribly wrong with <laughs> yeah you, you know you it should probably me. be 
segregated from the rest of society. <laughs> I, I, absolutely, I know. So anyway, sorry yeah. to go off on that tangent, no, but I, that's that. I think waste. it's so important because it's, it's people wonder like how we ended up together too, because you've got this like incredible sushi chef who's so passionate as a chef, and then you've got this vegan over here, which I don't usually even wor- use the word so much anymore. Right. Um, right. But that's who I am. That's what yeah. I've been for a really long time. And for me, it was always his respect for the planet, for everything he prepared that was like so impressive to me. Like that's what drew me to him. Yeah. And still does. Like yeah. I'm so impressed by him and his commitment and so that's like and you talk about zero waste you know um, uh, you didn't waste any um, uh, time complimenting your um, spouse and partner um, right there which I thought it was fantastic um, we still like each other you, you still like <laughs> each other. that's fantastic but the um, you guys do you really not throw anything away at, at the plot I, do you, nothing goes in the garbage can 99%? Yeah. How, I mean, what, anything that comes in from consumers, like from our guests, um, we have like a little trash can. It's like this yeah. little token white trash can. Um, the city actually makes us have a small um, trash can that they come and pick up. They don't okay. actually let you cancel that service, which I tried. But we don't really have anything that come in, comes in that's destined for landfill. And so that's um, that was kind of our first benchmark. Yeah. And even in the first weeks of uh, opening the plot, you know, the team was kind of like, okay, we need trash cans. You know, we mm-hmm. really do. Sure. And and so I just spent a couple of nights going around and like hiding one and then hiding another one and then going through them and going, okay, well, this can really go in the compost and replacing mm-hmm. it with a compost bin and, and just starting to kind of sort through and figure out. And and that's not to say that we can trust our recycling systems. I'm not saying that that's the right. best possible option, but we don't have anything that's actually destined for landfill at this point. That's crazy. Yeah, that's That was our first you, step. Like, one, so one of your first steps of, as yeah. a restaurant owner was digging through the trash. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> <laughs> and hiding trash cans. The <laughs> rad so cool. thing is, is like even shoots, mm-hmm. which is a busy little, you know, um, quick casual fish-based restaurant. Yeah. Like, you know, shoots was never like, you know, zero tolerance like plot was with this stuff. Yeah. But the f- one roll of plastic wrap made it over to shoots when we were opening. Mm-hmm. Just because you don't know, you're opening a restaurant, sure. you know? Yeah. Plastic wrap's still there and shoots is over a year old. <laughs> nice. And it's not even like it's almost running out or the emergency fla- plastic wrap. They have wrap. it there, just nobody's bothered to take it out. But, you know, and that's, that's where awesome. like yeah. the, the, the chefs at, at shoots, they're, they're not, you know, they're not vegan. They didn't sign up on the zero waste. But, they're they're the right generation they care and they're like why are we using this stuff yeah you know yeah. why you know and you is know, there you a way have, not to you is have there, lids yeah is there, is there is there a better system that we don't have to throw going back to ranch and food quality we found that it's better to leave the fish uncovered exposed to air mm-hmm. let it breathe because if you're plastic wrapping sushi fish the biggest enemy of of that fish is its own moisture moisture mm-hmm. yeah and why would you want to lock it in its own because then you've got like this soggy diaper kind of thing going on and you know so letting your fish breathe is that's so true and that's kind of like, well because sushi is basically dry aged fish right yeah. i mean a little bit i that that like long 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 time you yeah. know but i mean in order to get that silkiness it's got to go through rigor mortis right oh definitely yeah okay yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, otherwise it's pretty chewy I it, mean, it is i know, you know? yeah that, that raw that, that raw uh, uh sushi that i ate like literally as the fish was dying i mean it was like a juicy chewy it yeah. was nowhere near the kind of sushi that you would you'd nor- normally have yeah. and it, i apologize if this is really um, a little 
I was science before I was food, so <laughs> okay. <laughs> <It's> right, like, <laughs> I'm still so fascinated by every biological process, and that's probably why I love this world so much because there's such all of the juicy stuff happens at intersections. I feel like, and yeah. that's where this all comes together is like biological, planetary systems, all these different things that we need to be considering when we try to drive change. And so I, I like to know it all. <laughs> yeah, I, I, even if you see me over here, kind of like squirming, but <laughs> wait, wait, okay, well we could talk for an, an, another three hours about this. Um, I, I think unless unless you guys have something that you came here and you wanted to actually really get across. I know you sent a um, a report as well that you wanted to get across. Uh, or was that oh, just, no, were you trying to feed me who's asking you? I was trying you? to okay. give you more stuff. I, I appreciate <laughs> I you. I can't help myself. This is, I mean, you get a, you get, you guys listening at home, you get, you get a glimpse. You get a glimpse of who these people are. You, the, the plot obviously doesn't have any, barely has one little token trash can. Um, they, they The trash just to start their, their restaurant as working towards being a completely regenerative restaurant itself. Starting in this ethos kind of started with, you know, wrench and rodent. We were using every single part of the, of the animals as sushi concept you know and then um shoots um one thing that i think is really interesting though is like the word regenerative like you said sustainable we have all these different words for um something and we tried to simplify and we just said we want to give back more than we take and whenever we go camping when i was little my family my dad would always pick up have us pick up you know, 10 pieces of trash. And we'd be like, dad, we didn't leave this trash here. And he's Uh like, yeah, but we got to leave it better than we found it. And so that's been kind of like an internal mantra for us for a long time. Like, let's leave it better than we found it. And, and that's pretty important to us. So even like, you know, the other catchphrases, you know, sustainable being a catchphrase. And what's a bummer is when those are abused, but like, the positive that you can pull from that is not that long ago disposable was a catchphrase and it was a catchphrase mm-hmm. that sold a whole ton of stuff so and it sold right that, you can dispose you know, it yeah the fact that we're we're placing value on these things as a society mm-hmm. you know maybe the living up to the promise can catch up a little bit sure in in some areas you yeah. know there's people we look up to that are doing amazing things you yeah. know um but like it's still a, it's it's a shift and yeah. We just got to keep going, you know? Yeah. That, I mean, that's a great way to look at it. I can't believe it. You're, that's such a good point that you were, uh, but we used to say, don't worry, it's disposable. <laughs> it's <laughs> infuriating. And I still do that. I look at a can of tomato, you know, because we're not perfect. We'll buy tomato sauce at the grocery well, store sure. instead of making it from scratch because we're tired and it's 11 o'clock at night and we're yeah. hungry, right? Yeah. And I look at it and I'm just like, this is a durable good. Like it started to get into my head where maybe I'm not perfect all the time, but at least I'm looking at that thing and going, this shouldn't be a one-time use. Like yep. none of these things should yeah but it's just the transition that has to catch up and it's it it's gonna take top down it's gonna take bottom up it's like it's not just a grassroots movement it's not just a a government intervention or a corporate intervention like there just has to be a lot of energy changing a zeitgeist or changing a you know a a mental shift or consciousness change yeah it all starts by asking questions Mm -hmm. that's the awesome part you know yeah why Uh, how Mm -hmm. yeah Getting yeah. a little pissed off, like getting a little pissed. I get pissed off, off like every day. <laughs> like, I mean, you could even throw, you could even throw "why the fuck" in there. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> All right. Well, why the fuck is this so good? Is this your, is your fried chicken sandwich? Yeah. Fried yeah. Quote, quote, quote unquote chicken. Yeah. Will you tell me what that is, dude? That's awesome because it never comes out the same if it's not San Diego soy dairy. So, <laughs> got shameless it. plug for San Diego our local. soy dairy, which you yeah. swear by. I know you guys yeah. have both talked about them. So that's basically soy dairy. They, they just create. Uh, they make tofu, tofu in tofu. San Diego. Yeah. Really, really good tofu. Yeah. yeah, they've been doing it right since way before it was cool. Okay. Well, it's always been cool, but but <laughs> since before everybody knew yeah. it was cool. Um, 
and uh, we definitely muck about with it a little bit to. Uh, and make how, how, it do you, how do you make it sound taste like fried chicken? I mean, is it just is it just the spices? Did you just did you um, gut the kernels um, family? For their recipe, what nefarious? What nefarious action did you do? Because wasn't, it does. wasn't there somebody who uh, like published the eleven herbs and spices? I think somebody did, and then it came down off the internet like record fast and the guy disappeared oh no see all this conspiracy theory this is a new podcast that we're going it's all conspiracy theories everybody this is it somebody killed the colonel so let's put some (laughs) aluminum foil on the windows then we can talk about this okay got it all right sounds (laughs) good um uh one thing with vegan food is the the biggest uh challenge is um texture texture and how vegetables hold on to fats you can have plant and fat and you've just got a greasy plant yeah so like and a lot of times, just like out there in the big world, there's no one easy answer to a complex question. It's the same with this. So you sneak some of, you know, first you mess with the tofu, you can get some of the flavor in there. You might not be able to get one component to completely taste like chicken yep. or hold as much fat. Like the, the meatless loaf is all about getting um, getting that lentil rice mixture to hold on to really good quality Spanish olive oil, which almost tastes like butter if you cook with it right you know so a lot of it's sneaking stuff in on different levels Mm -hmm. where you know if it was just a good piece of chicken you make a spice blend you've got chicken you basically (laughs) thank the chicken for doing all the work (laughs) and you put it on a plate right you know um so a a little bit of it is it's the breading Mm -hmm. it's the dredge Mm -hmm. it's what the the chicken itself is marinated in and then it's how we get the tofu to accept the marinade because tofu, if you, it can be like a sponge. Mm-hmm. But you know, if you're using the wrong tofu and you don't mess with it, yep. it's like tr- trying to marinate a brick. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like impenetrable. <laughs> like, so, right. so it's right. just kind of uh, breaking cell walls. And, hey, David, you do you know. feel like this um, this this jerk over here didn't give us the the secret recipe? I was still waiting for the seven herbs and spices. I know, right? <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm still waiting for the for the plot. Seven herbs and spices. I'm Come on, I'm in Twitter right now. Are you, okay, you, that, so, to, to be fair, oh, no, to, no, not no, be, uh, to not oh, yeah. be a total jerk, you actually gave a really good, a good description of how I you danced. I I No, it's um, you know. With all this stuff, it's all about all the usual suspects. There's right. really no secret, you know. Paprika, mm-hmm. uh, garlic, yeah. onion, yeah. Um, a touch of nutritional yeast in the in the breading. That helps. David swears by that too. I hate nutritional yeast every day. Yeah. <laughs> like it's I have good. I have a thing of it with my popcorn over there. <laughs> That's in awesome. The, yeah, yeah it's, I mean, but good nutritional yeast because the bad stuff does have that metallic taste. It does. Yeah, the, yeah, the better yeah. stuff has that funkier kind of mm-hmm. cheesy because it's all about uh, it's all about how you fake the funk. Yeah, you know? white pepper is your friend. Mm-hmm. White pepper is amazing. Okay. You know, okay. in the right places. See, I'm getting little tips in there. And then, See, um, all I had to do was call him a jerk. And, <laughs> yeah. I, and I really, I don't, I feel yeah. really disingenuous about that because I like him a lot. But yeah. Italian flour. You know, there's okay. some cases where, you know, sometimes the best answer to do things on scale that we have in front of us at this time mm-hmm. is buying your flour from a country that doesn't put poison on the wheat. You know? Yeah. And right, Willie right. practices the same thing with the bread. Got it. You know, so it's not, you know, definitely not safe for a celiac, but a lot of people who are irritated yep. by eating U.S. Uh, flour. Like yeah. Like, mm-hmm. You know, yeah. the, the more, you know, are they allergic to the Roundup? Are they allergic to... There's you know, a lot we, of crap that goes on our food. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And, you know, kind of the 
the new round of allergies, like a good amount of them are real. And it's like, you got to ask where, why are we getting sick? From, why, why, you know? why are there so many allergies now? Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that just having good quality flour is, is a good, well, it's freaking delicious, you know? Yeah. I, I, and, I, and I appreciate it. That potato salad is 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 the bomb. It's like it's one good. of the best potato salads. I, I, isn't that fantastic? <laughs> that I know, <laughs> like that high acid. Yukon oh. potatoes and Spanish tarragon is the secret on that. Oh. And we grow the Spanish tarragon on site. All right. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, thank you, thank you guys so much for sharing your story. Everybody, go check out the plot. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more about this. So, no, we'll go into two people fifty boxes. I've talked. Yeah, to, I, the, I made this like an hour and a half long episode. How long is this? Now? Yeah, we're about an hour and uh, fifteen minutes. <laughs> okay, got it. Holy crap, hey, David, are you gonna edit this? one down please please edit a little bit of my monologue on the um no way okay all right (laughs) (laughs) yeah let's jump into two people 50 bucks who's starting i mean you're on a roll you might as well just keep talking (laughs) Uh, i say that with love i say that with love all right all right um you know what i want to i want to go because we've talked about this place before um balboa south is um we're gonna do a podcast um at their place actually in a couple weeks um oh it's a great story you can find the find the story on um sending a magazine like mariana cardenas is a local cook was uh, gifted this restaurant changed her life and her family it's 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 amazing anyways I was going down to Chula Vista because I really want to kick the, the tires on Chula Vista more. Um, it's got a great food scene down there. There's, you know, obviously like the second, like oldest and biggest city in San Diego County. Like it's just great, you know, um, Mexican Latin culture down there. I asked her where to go. And she's like, you know where you got to go? El Pollo Grill. El Pollo Grill. Sometimes the best places to eat do not have an Instagram wall. They don't have a million dollar bar. You know, they're in a strip mall and it doesn't look like much at all. And you walk in there and it kind of looks like a, a fast food chain, but it's not. It's a local guy. It's a guy named Victor. His family started this thing 40 years ago. They have done, it's basically, and I, and I don't, I don't, I say this in the most loving way. It's kind of like El Pollo Loco if lo, El Pollo Loco was good. You know, and, and no offense against El Pollo Loco. I've had that before, and honestly, it's one of my favorite fast foods. It, 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 the chicken's pretty good. But this is like flame-grilled chicken that is so moist and good and just flavor. I mean, was fantastic. Like, perfect, perfect flame-broiled chicken. And everybody, she told me, she's like, everybody's been getting their chicken there for generations. And I'm like, no way. I went down there, I'm like, holy crap, this is the best chicken that I've had in a long, long time. Also got the um, I love that we have a, um, our friend who's um, I um, vegan and, um, <laughs> and I'm like also got the birria um, with the uh, quesadilla. Um, but anyways, they, they had birria day. They had rest of the quesadilla too as well. But honestly, for me, it was about that chicken. It was just I, I there's something about a perfectly cooked chicken for me that I mean is like the the most. It's like an ACDC song, you know. It, it's like a Zeppelin song. It's like one of those things where you're just like. God, that feels good, you know? And so anyways, it was go down El Pollo Grill. It's in um, right on the edge of Bonita, right off of 805, um, and get like a, an entire platter of it. And I, so I apologize, Jessica. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, is this a place we haven't been or that we just want to go because we love it and we would go over it? Like, is that the I, I know you're restaurateurs and yeah. you guys have a lot of shit going on, so you may not be able to eat it out at all. This is really kind of like where you guys go to. I mean, ideally. Yeah, okay, where, yeah. I got mine. Okay, um, nice. Always when we're down here, I want to go to Pokey's. And it's just like nice. one yeah. of our first dates. And it was like, we were going to do fancy. We were wandering around down here and I, you know, maybe he wanted to impress me. I don't know. And then we kind of thought about it. He's like, I know where we should go. And we went to Pokey's and it felt like... 
I grew up in Seattle. It felt like Capitol Hill mm-hmm. way back in the day. All of this is the coolness and the edginess and the people are such good people. It's and they have punk awesome. rock vegetarian yeah. T- place. Yeah. yeah, it feels so good and the food is delicious and it's super satisfying. So and when she liked pokies, that was the moment I knew. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, pokies is a classic. Yeah, yeah. it's so, so rad. So yeah, yeah, that's my honest answer. That's where I'd be when or I am whenever we're done. And what's there. your what, what's your order for pokies? Um, I was now I've been kind of experimenting a little bit for a long time. It was just a, a bean or no, what it was a, the veggie burrito super vegan is the way they say it. And it's like crowned. God. Yeah. It. And you okay. just say super vegan and it shows that you know what you're talking okay. about. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So order the super vegan down at Pokies. Okay. David? Uh, beef burrito crowned with cheese and a side of rice and uh, side of beans because it's almost like two meals. That's his pokey order. That, that's <laughs> yeah. the pokey order. Okay. Uh, oh, yeah, pokey order. Uh, four places, all mine in Oceanside. Um, Chef Lucas is doing awesome things up there. It's where Carmine's used to be. Okay. Um, super good pizza. All mine, super good pizza. Where, where is it south though? Um, it's closer to downtown. It's okay. almost to almost to like the transit center. Okay. Well, I think that it's kind of on Coast Highway Transit Center would be behind it. Is you do wood so, fire pizzas? Um, just a old school pizza. They do a lot with a little. Like all they got is this yeah. old school two rack pizza oven. Awesome. Salad line. Um, they've got lasagna, which is awesome. Like lasagna in a can. Uh-huh. So it, it's, it's a very, instead of having that like baked into that square, you know, uh, round peg, square hole, whatever yep. thing, you know, it's, it's in a can. So it's more like, made fresh and just completely like just done right oh, hell um, yeah lasagna in a can i'm in it's so good so all mine who is chef lucas dude he's uh you super shy super humble you know um did he cook, cook, did, was he from oceanside or was he just? uh he's lived in oceanside for a while okay he's cooked around the world he's originally from brazil got it um and okay. just just a chef to watch okay like you know he you would never know how badass this guy is until you meet him, you know? But like, of the chefs around San Diego that I think we're gonna be hearing more about in the next couple of years, definitely keep an eye on him. All right, awesome, all mine, Oceanside. David? I went to the NFT bar, finally. Botanica? Yeah, I went to Botanica. And uh, wow, it was like, while we did the first look on it, it, it is really beautiful in there, but it was much smaller than I was it's expecting. Tiny. It was like, it's very quaint, it's very like uh, personal. Um, this is a place in North Park. It's right. It's attached to our to North Park Produce, uh, which is an arts arts community center in North Park, and they had this tiny little venue that they wanted to activate. And nobody's been able to do it yet. So it's the people from Wormwood and Tahona who, are, who put in like a like it, an NFT bar. Like an, you, NFT bar. If yeah. you go to their website, there's actually a menu on there for the NFTs, mm-hmm. or if you, you wanted to like lease them of sorts, you know. Um, which is super cool. But so I grabbed some of the appetizers, and one thing that I thought was really cool is that they do do a um, wagyu oyster. So they put like cut up wagyu on the oyster with some shallots and some pickled mustard. Super good. But then the other thing is they're like our drinks are really art. They're like like we they, so they're probably some of the like prettier cocktails and tasty cocktails I've had. Like there's one that um, they have, and it comes in a um, a glass that's shaped like a woman, and it's layered so that different parts of it like will be like her head, then other parts will be her dress, other parts will be her boots, and it's all like that with all these beautiful um, botanicals on it and whatnot, you know, flowers and stuff because awesome. they have the uh, garden right behind them. And uh, another one is like set up so it looks like it's in like a little milk container, like something like that. But a uh, super fun drink. Great atmosphere. Uh, I really liked it. 
Yeah, and that's Amar Harag, um, who mm-hmm. you know he he really like he believes in this the, in the community center, and he's like I want to build something that really like it, it, it goes, like really complements the art there, mm-hmm. you know. So he's really trying to do that art side of the drinks, of the food, and I mean you know it's it's it may sound esoteric or it may sound fussy, but it really all he's just trying to do is like I want to I want to at least complement this really cool community center that's you know, pulling in local makers, you know. Let's try and yep. make something that's really freaking awesome. beautiful. So and it's not just NFT art either so there's another whole like gallery attached to it where it's like a uh, traditional style arts and different mediums like that mm-hmm. so there's just like more of the nfts that are flashing along the uh the inside mm-hmm. of the uh exact restaurant and whatnot but. god that, to ma- that potato salad is so good <laughs> i know it's the, the, the <laughs> ground really sets it off and there's no mayonnaise in it <laughs> nope no oh my god anyways okay so that's that you guys we're, we're if, if somebody wants to um, follow you guys I mean obviously you have like seven different um, places now um, tell us like Instagram basically. Instagram is at the plot restaurant okay. at wrench and rodent at fish and beer right it's, or shoots, shoots fish shoots and beer fish. yeah Wait, shoots we just really shoots that fish one up. x beer <laughs> <laughs> But just, you can find it. Just look up Shoots Oceanside, yeah, please. Shoots. Right. Um, yeah, and that's really it. Um, Hannah does an amazing job keeping all of our specials, weekly grub, like the birria, um, mm-hmm. anything that's going on with Wrench and Rodent. She keeps all the videos, the reels going and everything nice. like that. So there's a lot to see on the Instagram. Awesome. And yeah, I mean, and just and just show up. And obviously, I mean, these guys have a little bit of a business to run, too. And they may or may not be on site all the time because they've got 19 businesses. Um, but, you know, show, show up and start a conversation. I mean, again, like you said, start a conversation with your farmer start a conversation with your you know the server um, you know whoever's working on site that day because apparently everybody kind of gives a damn at the places too you can have a conversation Um, and then David Eli Martin yep that would be a correct David Eli Martin and I'm Hey Troy Johnson on Instagram you guys thank you so much Um, go try this damn potato salad (laughs) that fish taco excuse me that carrot fish taco with the shishito (laughs) salsa is also fantastic beauty a sandwich with a little bit of Hokkaido milk bread from uh, Oceanside I'm going to shut the hell up now and eat. Thank you guys so much. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you.